Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome into College Golf Talk, Episode 1. Steve Burkowski with you. So glad you could join us. Coming up a little bit later in this episode, a sit-down interview with head coach from the University of Texas, John Fields, and their star sophomore, Cole Hammer. But before that comes your way, we welcome in Brentley Romine, associate editor. And Brentley, we take a look at the fall season, sort of winding down for a lot of teams. College golf so unique that they play for about eight or ten weeks. They take three months off and they get back at it in the spring, trying to gear up for the NCAA championships. And let's start with the women, some teams that have stood out so far. At the top of my list, a small sample size, but the Stanford Cardinal. They played just two events. They won the Molly. They were second at home with no Andrea Lee or Albin Valenzuela, and I believe those two, the best one-two punch in all of women's college golf. And Ann Walker on my very short list of the best coaches in all of the college game. I think I would agree with you, Burka. I mean, there's probably three or four names that could give her a run for her money, but what they've been able to do without Andrea Lee and Albin has been pretty impressive. Only two events, but Angelina Ye is a player that – you know, I, I really liked coming in. There, there, there were, first of all, there were a lot of really good college freshmen this year in the women's game, nine, ten names that could potentially be All-Americans. Angelina Ye might be the best of them. Second in her first event, one when she needed to most without Andrea Lee and Albin. So she's a player that if, if you had to pick a Annika Award winner right now, she's you know sitting pretty right there atop golf stats rankings. Each and every year, head coach Ann Walker at Stanford seemingly just rebuilds uh, and just fits the pieces to where she needs to be competitive on a national scale. How about the Texas Longhorns? What Ryan Murphy, the head coach down in Austin, is doing there, you take a look at their fall campaign, a couple of wins, also a third-place finish for Texas in the fall. They had some down lean years for the better part of a decade. I think with Ryan Murphy there, Texas was one of those teams back in May at the Blessings that we thought would contend and sort of bowed out a little earlier than many of us expected, but right back at it, one of the best teams in the land. Yeah, this is a team that I felt was almost kind of disrespected last year. Everyone was talking about USC and Stanford and Duke, and rightfully so, but this is a team that I believe they were the top-ranked team in the country coming into NCAAs and made match play, obviously got upset by Auburn. But this year they've been doing it without one of their key players, Agat Lenny, who's been out with uh, an injury. And their top-ranked player right now is their freshman, Sophie Go. So a lot of pieces that Ryan Murphy can can sort of count on each and every week. If someone's down, someone else is going to step up. So, you know, just, uh, you know, you talk about Ann Walker being a good coach. Ryan Murphy is right up there in that conversation learning under John Fields for a little bit as the assistant for the men's team and he's finally gotten the chance to shine and he's really doing some special things over there in Austin I think 
one of the big questions I had coming into this season, Wake Forest, what would life be like without Jennifer Cupshow? Everything she did as an NCAA individual champion to the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur Champ. Wake came so close, falling to Duke in that championship match this past spring at the NCAA Championships. Well, life is going very nicely without Jennifer Cupshow. A couple of wins, a second place showing for the Demon Deacons, and they're going low. And I think Emilia Miliacho, who's had some very highs in the fall and, and some lows as well, she hasn't missed a beat, and this team has not missed a beat as well. Yeah, it's, you know, coming into the season, you expected either Amelia or Swing Lou to be the person that, that stepped their game up to, to replace Jennifer Cupcho. Well, really, they've they've been a, about the same that we saw from them last year. I think Amelia might be a little bit down from the level that she played at a year ago. But the key for them is Rachel Keene. This is a player, a freshman, who didn't make the, the lineup the first event. She, she didn't qualify. She hit the cart path, I think, on one of her final holes at qualifying. I mean, that's probably happened to us a, a million times, you know, <laughs> casual rounds. But she doesn't qualify for that first event. She gets her chance at the Annika, which, as we know, is the probably the most difficult event, most, uh, you know, star-studded event of the entire regular season, spring included. She goes out and she wins that event. So the emergence of Rachel Keene, a player who they they weren't expecting much right away. She was a player that would probably gain momentum as the year went on, but to get contribution from her right away, that's the key. That That's why I think Wake, if we had to pile up all the teams, all the contenders right now, they've probably looked the best. So those are some of the teams that have stood out for the ladies in the fall campaign. I'm going to throw maybe a surprise team at you that maybe shouldn't surprise us anymore. Kent State, Greg Robertson had built a program, a nationally competitive team there, he left. He goes back to his alma mater to coach the ladies at Oklahoma State. Lisa Strom, now the head coach. They haven't missed a beat. Three wins and a second, and Kent State maybe no longer should, should, uh, should surprise any of us. Maybe, they are one of the best teams in the country. Maybe it's something in the water up there in Kent, Ohio. Maybe there's a hidden college golf aquifer or something that they're <laughs> tapping into. But it, It's <laughs> impressive, really, what they've doing. Who else has caught your eye for the women in the fall? I think Arizona is a team that we've gotten used to seeing, but we didn't know how they would react to losing Haley Moore and Bianca Pagdanan. Uh, excuse me on the pronunciation of that name, but it's a tough one. But Vivian Ho, a freshman, she's the sister of Yusang Ho. I think they're both ranked in the top 10 right now. So they've. Uh, it's kind of cool to see a sister act leading a team. So that's a team that I thought was going to take a step back, maybe majorly. Arkansas is another team. They're ranked 17th right now. And they really looked good at the Annika. And that was another team. They lost Maria Fossey. You, you would have thought they would have been a shell of themselves this year. So they've impressed me. Alabama at 13, what they've been able to do, less than a year removed from being decimated by all those players turning pro. And Michigan State, right there at number 10. A senior-laden team, experienced. They have a lot of good pieces. Big 10, you wouldn't necessarily uh, you know, mistake them for a – college golf hotbed but what they've been able to do the last few years between michigan state ohio state northwestern you know there's there's some good golf being played up there and something you sort of alluded to and it'll be interesting to keep an eye on as we button up the women here in the fall a lot of these top young ladies heading to the q series will we see the decimation we have seen in years past of players earning some lpga tour status and quite simply bailing on their programs to chase their dream we'll have a better 
understanding of that in the weeks to come. Yeah, and there's there's only five names. Last year, I believe we had seven or eight that ended up making that final stage. And also recently reported by Golf League, Jennifer Chang from USC. She's already said uh, that she's not coming back. So USC is a team that probably can, you know, they, they can, can afford, afford to lose one. Yeah, they don't you, want to lose her, but yeah, they can she's deal she's with by it. far their best player. She's ranked second right now in golf stat. Um, but you, you never want to lose that talent. But now they still have five players that Justin Silverstein will probably feel pretty confident rolling out there against anybody. Transition to the men. Some teams that have stood out in the fall campaign: Wake Forest again playing well, a win, a couple of seconds and a fourth. I've seen it in years past. They've always had great fall seasons and seemingly have regressed when you want to try to peak come the postseason. Last year, they kept it going in the spring. Maybe this year they're on track to do it again, led by Alex Fitzpatrick, Matt's younger brother. Yeah, the, the key for them is always depth. It's been one of the deepest teams ever really since Will Zatoris left a couple seasons ago. I think the biggest thing for them is getting into match play last year. They were able to get over that hump, kind of prove what they got in that format, and that's a lot to build on this year. They they have the guns. They have Alex Fitzpatrick, who I watched play at the Walker Cup, probably one of the biggest match play bulldogs that we have in college golf. Eugenio Shikara, Eric Bay, Mark Power. He's he's a freshman from Ireland. He's he's a really good player. Has a lot of match play experience. So this is a team that I think will have a better spring than than we've seen out of them in recent history. And if they get back to match play, you're looking at a team that has the confidence now to get to that final day and perhaps win a national title. Pepperdine, another team that has caught my eye. Before this fall campaign even started, and a lot of it really circled around Sahith Thagala, who redshirted last year with an injury. He's back. He's healthy. The Waves, perhaps one of the deepest teams, if not the deepest in the entire country. A fourth, a third, a win at the Alistair McKenzie Invitational. Michael Beard, their head coach, would not surprise me at all if seven or eight months from now that he has a national championship trophy heading back to Malibu. That's how strongly I think this team uh, can make a run deep uh, come May. I I was talking about Wake's depth. This is a Pepperdine team that if they let B teams into the NCAA championship (laughs) – Pepperdine could probably field, cut. <laughs> field, field two five-man teams to, to make it into that top 30. I mean, you're going down the list from at the top with Sahith Gala, Joe Highsmith, but then all the way at the bottom, R.J. Mankey, uh, Clay Fagler, Derek Hitchner. Yeah, it goes on and on. It's, they're 7, they're, 8, 9 deep. They're 10 deep, and, you know, if, if Tristan Gretzky, their 11th guy, I mean, heck, I, I'm sure a lot of teams would like to have him and his potential with uh, – kind of his raw talent but yeah Pepperdine is just uh it's a fun team to watch they they were to me coming into this year the sexy pick you had Texas you knew they were going to be good Arizona State's going to host but Pepperdine's Pepperdine's the sexy pick you know they got some flashy players they got a couple lefties some guys who wear bucket hats so has got a you know a silky smooth short game so and William Mouth the guy grew up hitting over a chicken coop He, he picked eggs in the morning and you know, and, and Chico, California goes and hits balls and go chases them. So, I mean, the guy's got a lot of a lot of power and, and for a freshman uh, might be the Phil Mickelson Award winner. Interesting. We'll see how it plays out for Pepperdine the rest of the way. A couple of surprises in the fall. You got to tip your cap 
to the Irish. Notre Dame, four wins in the fall campaign. That is the most in a season in the history of that program, and they took care of it in the fall. Third-year head coach John Hanrigan really putting something together special in South Bend, and then maybe on the flip side, we knew there was going to be a drop-off for Oklahoma State. You can't lose Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, Zach Boshu after arguably the two most dominant back-to-back seasons we have seen in recent memory. The best finish in four events in the fall for head coach Alan Bratton is fourth. Austin Eckroat needs a lot of his buddies to sort of step up if Oklahoma State's going to progress and do what we've seen from them the past couple of years. Yeah, based on what I've seen this fall, too, I think Austin Eckroat's buddies need to see more out of Austin Eckroat. He, for Oklahoma State to even have a chance to make the NCAA championship this year, Austin Eckroat's got to go from playing like a top 30, top 40 player to playing like a top five or ten yeah five or even two or three player in the country there's a lot of inexperience but I was talking to Alan Bratton recently and of course there's not the confidence level that we've seen and for good reason when you roll out a lineup of Matt Wolf, Victor Hovland, Zach Beauchow um, you know there you don't really have to do much and and it's kind of been a shock to the system this year but I still think there's a lot of there's a lot of confidence because there's a lot of guys whether it's Amon Gupta uh, or freshman Brian Stark, who I really like a lot, wasn't really recruited a whole lot, but a local guy that they brought in there who has had some pretty solid finishes so far. There's a lot of untapped potential there. And if Rahan Thomas plays like the 2017 version of Rahan Thomas, this is a team that may go from not even sniffing, advancing out of regionals to a team who could sneak in there and, uh, you know, maybe maybe get match play run again, but they're they're a long ways away. I think we've been spoiled by what Oklahoma State has been able to do the past few seasons. We will see how they put it together when 2020 rolls around, and then the preseason number one team in the country, the Texas Longhorns, a bit of an indifferent fall campaign. And Brentley, you had a chance just a few days ago to sit down with their head coach John Fields and their star sophomore Cole Hammer. We're joined by quite the Texas two-step Longhorns head coach, John Fields, and sophomore Cole Hammer, our inaugural guest on the pod. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now some background on you guys. Cole is the reigning Phil Mickelson Award winner and currently the number two ranked player in the World Amateur Golf Ranking. He's coming off making the cut at the Houston Open and prior to that helped the U.S. win the Walker Cup at Royal Liverpool. And coach, you probably have arguably the best opening bio line of any college golf coach should I read it uh, John Fields directs the men's golf program for the University of Texas with an acting ethos that befits UT's proud chorus Texas fight is that accurate well um, I, I think a lot of people think that it's awfully easy to coach at Texas I would say it's it's more like that it's more like a fight than it is uh, somebody handing you something so how does someone like me get Texas fight how do you get Texas fight I think that uh, for us our program is that that's just speaks to the the heart of our program um, and that's not just men's golf it's every sport at Texas so um, kind of a never give up always fighting and, and always trying to come out on top well I think we saw some of that fight in the semifinals last year at NCAAs against Oklahoma State looking back on that is that still as big of an upset as uh, it seemed at the time uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I certainly think that Oklahoma State thought it was an upset. I think our guys thought that, that we could win that and didn't surprise them when we did. But uh, going in where we were uh, ranked and where they were ranked and the kind of play that they had throughout the year dictates that it was an upset. 
Cole, how many times this summer have you been asked about that Matt Wolf match? Quite a few, uh, probably more than I can count. And uh, obviously, it's a great memory for me uh, and the rest of the team um, coming out on top that day. Um, we had seen ourselves do that earlier in the year. We beat them at the Big 12 match play, so we knew it was possible. Um, obviously, it was an upset, but uh, I mean, it was it was a great way for us to finish off the year and uh, to play Matt, one of my good friends growing up, and come out on top was was pretty great too. Now, I think Coach Fields, you said at the time someone had asked you on the range at Blessings um, whether you guys were overlooked, and you said you thought the entire field was overlooked because Oklahoma State. Fast forward to this year, you guys are the preseason number one. Do you feel like that big a favorite, or do you feel like uh, the target's not quite as big? I think the difference is that right now we're, we're still evolving as a team. Obviously, Cole's had incredible success, and we've had a couple other guys that have, have intimated that towards that direction. But we haven't assumed the value of an Oklahoma State like last year where you've got five All-Americans on the same team. That's different. We've, we've been there before, uh, a Texas team or two. But uh, right now, I would say uh, the, the outcome is in doubt at, at uh, Arizona this year. There's a lot of good teams. We think we're going to be there at the end, but we've got a long ways to go. How would you rate the team start this year? Cole's obviously been uh, you know, playing in the Houston Open, missed the Big 12 match play. So you haven't really been at full strength the entire time. but if you had to grade your team's performance through three events? Well, kind of a normal fall for us. Uh, I'd like to think that we're going to come out and mow people down right off the bat. But on a normal basis, we have the type of players that are going to be trying to play in Walker Cups, which means they're going to go at it hard in the summertime. We had a couple guys like that, Cole, who was uh, part of that team, and then Pearson Cootie that was trying really hard to make that team and, and really a couple others, too, that, that played a lot of golf in the summertime. The interesting thing, uh, or the result of that for us, is that our guys uh, are kind of rebalancing right now, uh, maybe catching their breath just a little bit. And that doesn't always dictate in, the, in the, uh, the success that we would like. But it definitely does one thing, and that's that absolute for us. And it just uh, it makes us really hungry going into the spring. I think your guys' M.O., at least Texas's M.O., the last, I don't know, pretty much since you've been the coach, you guys really come alive during the spring. I think it was a few seasons ago where you won like six or seven straight events. What's the secret uh, to peaking at the right time, as you guys have seemed to have done year after year? Yeah, it, it would be really good players with, with, uh, with a lot of desire. Uh, you, it, it's very difficult to win at our level if you don't have exceptional players, and we do. Uh, but again, when you have players like Jordan Spieth, Bo Hostler, uh, Gavin Hall, Dylan Fratelli, uh, Jonathan Vegas, and they're going to World Amateurs and they're going to Walker Cup and, and then maybe even playing in a PGA Tour event or two, uh, it, it serves to uh, really wear them out when they're already worn out. So. Um, it's, it's all great problems to have. But when we get goal, going in the spring, uh, we don't have those sort of things going on, and, and uh, the, the goal is sharp and right in mind. So, Cole, you played baseball for a long time growing up, right? I did, yeah. What would you say your career average was? Oh, man. Uh, definitely not as good as Jose Altuve. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, 
I, I have no idea. I mean, I've, I've let off and um, played shortstop. I mean, I, I could not tell you what my average was. That was, that was a long time ago. But it does feel like yesterday. I mean, I, I missed that sport a lot. I really enjoyed it growing up. So to borrow a term from baseball, I'm sure growing up you used the donuts that you put on your bat to make it kind of heavier and you take mm-hmm. it off and it's lighter. Does playing in the Houston Open uh, kind of make college golf seem lighter, almost like a proverbial donut, if you will? That is an interesting analogy. Uh, I like that. Um, I would say yes and no. Obviously, the competition level uh, on the PGA Tour is, is another step up from college golf. But at the same time, I'm still living in the present. I'm still a college golfer. And um, that experience last week at the Houston Open was great for me. But um, I mean, my, my focus is here right now. I'm not not uh, kind of really worried about what how, or how my performance was last week. I'm just kind of worried about uh, the next steps here in college golf. So uh, during your, press, your pre-tournament press conference Wednesday in Houston, someone asked you, you know, when are you turning pro? Well, I'm not going to ask you that question, but I think it is interesting because you've obviously seen guys precede you at Texas, um, leave early f- for players like Jordan Spieth or you know other guys. It's always kind of been at different times. I think Brandon Stone may have left after one year. Jordan left middle of his sophomore year. As a player, how do you what what do you look for in terms of maybe your game or? you know, your, your maturity to kind of let you know that you're ready? Like, what, what, what are you looking for to, to tell you that it's the right time? Well, um, before last week, I really hadn't been um, kind of opened up to the professional golf level. I mean, I played the U.S. Open when I was 15, but that was a long time ago. So I hadn't gotten to test my game against professional golfers. And uh, I, really, I kind of think um, seeing myself succeed against them, uh, maybe – in my mind puts me like a step closer to feeling like I'm ready uh but I mean there's there's things that I probably need to do before I'm ready I mean I feel like I need to get stronger I mean that's um kind of, I'm only weigh like 155 pounds and um I feel like there's room to improve there um but I mean I wasn't like shocked by what the PGA Tour guys were doing out there I mean it's uh, it's not a huge step up I mean there's a lot of great players in college and um I just I think you really just have to believe that you're ready and um and I guess see yourself succeed a few times before making the transition. Mm-hmm. And John, you've probably sat in an office with Jordan and Brandon and all those guys. What's kind of been the common theme of advice that you've given them when they've been deciding and going through the process? Yeah, I think I think the most apropos thing that I've ever heard with with regards to somebody turning pro, and Bo went after. Uh, essentially three and a half years um but jordan told me that uh, he had played in seven pga tour events he made five cuts and he never had his a game and he wasn't uh, two of those he did kind of wanted to eliminate because they were in his backyard they were the byron nelson tournament and uh but he but he felt like he never had his a game he might have been playing with his b plus game or his b b game or his b minus game and yet he was still able to make some cuts and 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 uh, get in the hunt a couple of times. So I think that was probably the best precursor. David Gossett left early years and years ago and and missed uh, missed all the cuts that he played in and and missed all the cuts that he played in early in his uh, professional career. So you never know. It, it's just one of those things. But I thought Jordan's thought was was really good because 
he had this tremendous belief that he could do it, and he had it substantiated with his play. Mm-hmm. So going way back to, I don't know, how, what, what year was it when you were 13 years old, Cole? It would have been? Uh, 2012, 2013. 2012. So going back to 2012 or 2013, you know, you've, you've coached a lot of stars, but what's your, what's your initial impression when a kid named Cole Hammer, who's not even old enough to drive, shows up at UT Golf Club, holes out to shoot 64, and wins a junior tournament by seven shots? And, and hold out on the last hole. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a statement. Uh, I'm a believer, and I believe that things happen for a reason. I don't know exactly why uh, the sun and the moon and the stars came together, and we were able to get to know Cole, that he would be the type of player that he is, that he would have the type of parents that he has, and all the different uh, abilities and situations that have come to occur so that we could do that. Um, I pray hard, and every once in a while, somebody great comes along. <laughs> so, Cole, do you, uh, can you take us through that day, what it was like getting uh, kind of I don't know if whisked away was the right term, but, you know, getting introduced and uh, toured around uh, the, the facilities and stuff. Uh, yeah, it was definitely very eye-opening for me. I mean, I hadn't even decided where I was going to go to high school yet. Uh, and to kind of be touring a, a college campus with 45-some-odd thousand kids uh, is, is, was uh, jaw-dropping, honestly. And uh, uh, I, growing up, being a Texas sports fan, um, it was pretty pretty easy decision for me to come to Texas when I had the opportunity and I, I mean obviously I was so grateful to have it um, I kind of knew I wanted to stay around home kind of in state so I wasn't really going to branch out too far but obviously touring around Texas was um, was pretty sweet for me who was the one player that really opened up and made you feel comfortable when you were on your visits Cody Gribble yeah uh, I think shocker. he's uh, a yeah, shocker right he's very he, that is very natural for him. I mean, he's obviously very easy to talk to and very outgoing guy and um, makes you laugh pretty easily. And um, I, he's been a big part of uh, my UT recruiting process. And even today, I mean, I still talk to him quite a bit when we get the chance. And um, <laughs> he was great. And he kind of told me what Texas is about, um, what Coach Fields has done. Um, obviously, I didn't have the relationship that I have with Coach now. So it was good to hear it from a, a successful player's um, point of view um, and yeah he made the decision really easy for me coach do you see some parallels uh, in Cody and Cole oh yeah um, I believe when you've coached as long as I have you have a lot of players that you can compare to but uh, Cody's got a lot of charisma and and, and so does Cole uh, but they both have God-given talent that uh, gives them the opportunity to be really really successful different areas different abilities but uh yeah, there's no question that uh, that Cody's breath of life uh, is very similar to, to what Cole has. Cole, how many times, you know, I asked you how many times people would ask you about that Matt Wolf match, but how many times have you heard the term hammer time? And are you sick of it yet? Uh, I'm not sick of it yet. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good problem to have, and I think the number went up exponentially last week in Houston. Um, I... <laughs> Basically, the first time I ever heard it was at the was at the U.S. Open, and uh, started dying laughing when I heard it. And then uh, it's been a while since I haven't been out on uh, too big of stage since then. Uh, and then kind of hear it again at the Houston Open was was pretty cool. And um, I think uh, probably something I'll hear for a while. I think whoever your agent is, the first call needs to be to Home Depot. Probably <laughs> is that does that make sense? 
That's pretty good. I, I, I try to be funny. No, no, um, I like but it. so wait, so you had never heard of MC Hammer before the U.S. Open? I had. I froze under the under the camera. Uh, <laughs> I get a lot of flack for that, and uh, I mean, I, I I think the question was who's saying can't touch this, and uh, I was, I guess, very pretty nervous. I didn't know. I I was caught on my heels, and I just said Michael Jackson, and uh, obviously. I mean, 10 seconds after I said it, I realized that I'd really screwed that up. And uh, it's something to laugh about now, though, obviously. And I definitely do know who he is now. Can you name another MC Hammer song? Uh, negative. Think, can you? Those two I can. I don't know the others, but I know he was one of the best artists at the time. <laughs> so, so you never had any CDs? You know, walked around with no, the box? No, and, no. And, uh, He had his own show. I know that. I think one of them, uh, I was looking through his discography, and one of them is Gaining Momentum, which could be a good anthem for you guys this yeah, season. Yeah, that'd be good. There's also, there's also a song called Praying, too. Yeah, I like, I like them all. <laughs> John Cole, uh, appreciate you two coming on to our first pod and uh, spending some time with us. Good luck the rest of the season, and you know we expect plenty of that Texas fight. Thank you. Welcome yeah, home. It'll be there. Thanks. Brentley, what's your biggest takeaway when you now look back at what was expected of this group six, eight weeks ago to where they are right now? The biggest takeaway is almost the calmness that they have right now. They finished ninth in probably their two biggest events of the fall, at least stroke play events. Yet there doesn't seem to be a lot of panic there. And I think a lot of, a lot of the reason for that is Texas's MO the last almost decade has been play okay in the fall, you know, kind of see what you got and then really come alive in the, in the spring. That's That's been their MO. They've really learned how to peak at the right time. So we talk about, you know, what's wrong with Texas. Texas isn't necessarily asking that question yet, I don't think. And talking with Fields after Tavistock, which was one of those ninth place finishes, yeah, he, he was upset because it was in the moment. And he said, you know, we're, we're getting our butts kicked right now. And... But I think as they get back to Austin, as they get ready for East Lake Cup, and as they go through the winter, this is a team that's kind of been there, done that. Fields is one of the best uh, coaches in college golf in terms of getting guys ready, getting guys uh, motivated. So they're going to be just fine. But right now it's it's easy for us to, to press the panic button because they were the preseason number one. Yeah, and keep in mind, a year ago they won one tournament the entire season. That was regionals at home where they lapped the rest of the field, but still almost won a national title. They haven't been completely healthy in the fall. Cole Hammer, so many people wondering what his next move is, but I tend to agree with you that John Fields has been here before. He'll find a way to get a relatively young team ready come the spring. You alluded to the fact that they'll be at the East Lake Cup. Let's spin it forward to the upcoming event in Atlanta. Four for the men, four for the women. Taking a look at the men's teams in the field, Oklahoma State, Texas, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest. What are those four teams looking to accomplish as they wrap up their fall seasons? So out of that group, Wake Forest has arguably or not arguably had the best fall. They've been the clear-cut, uh, you know, they're, they're probably the clear-cut favorite based on just what we've seen in the fall. Some of the other teams, we mentioned Texas, but Vanderbilt and Oklahoma State, as we alluded to, especially with Oklahoma State earlier in the podcast, they're having to replace a lot. So Oklahoma State obviously lost Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, Zach Bosho, four of those five guys from their NCAA semifinal team last year. Vanderbilt also lost two All-Americans. Will Gordon, Patrick Martin, 
The good thing about the Commodores and the reason why I don't think we can count them out at Eastlake is they still have a pretty dang good player in John Augenstein, who, unlike Cole Hammer, who's ranked 89th right now and has kind of you know, he played in the Houston Open, missed an event. Augenstein, who also missed the opener because of the Walker Cup, he's been lights out otherwise. He's ranked second in, in the golf stat rankings, and he's going to be the horse that Limbaugh is going to lean on. And William Mall, believe it or not, it's hard to believe, with all the success and uh, in, in all the All-Americans that Limbaugh has had in the seven or eight years at Vanderbilt, William Mall's the most highly touted incoming freshman that he's had in terms of junior accolades. So this is a kid who they're expecting a lot out of. Reed Davenport had a really great event at Isleworth. So Wake may have had the best fall, but I'm I'm going with Vanderbilt, you know, to to win it all in Eastlake. Yeah, you get to this point of the season nearing the end of October. There are a lot of question marks for a lot of different reasons for these teams, but it's a great opportunity to play a smaller version of what they're going to see at the NCAA championships, a day of stroke play, then two days of match play at the Eastlake Cup. And we know it, the coaches will juggle their lineups. I remember Mike Small a few years ago threw out a couple of freshmen against some senior All-Americans, and I sort of said, what are you doing? He said, might as well find out in October what they're worth come May. Yeah. So, you know, you'll get coaches experimenting, which makes this invitation that much more meaningful for them. And, of course, playing in front of the cameras, TV. And, <laughs> and that's huge for Texas, too, because personally, I think this has the potential to, to be the deepest team that Fields has had in, in a while. And But that's going to be relying on, on freshmen. He's going to throw out Travis Vick. Uh, Christopher Bring is a sophomore, but he didn't play – much if at all last season so those are inexperienced guys that he's going to throw into the fire and see how they you know how they come out of it over on the women's side arizona auburn duke and wake force all heading to atlanta what stands out to you about that foursome duke and wake force battled it out for the title with duke uh coming out on top in arkansas last spring it's kind of been flip-flopped wakes the team that's had a real real great fall they've gotten a lot uh you know out of the 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 stalwart swing Lou Emilia Emiliaccio some some new faces Duke's been a team that hasn't really stood out I mean you you look at the rankings and Jeremy Boonchant's been solid Gina Kim's been solid it's surprising yeah. really what they brought back after the NCAA championship that they haven't come out of the gates quicker yeah they they lost one of those players and Virginia Elena Carta you could argue might have peaked as a freshman Three years ago when she won in Eugene and. The key for, for Duke was always going to be how one of their freshmen did because one of those freshmen, whether it be Erica Shepard or Megan Furtney, was going to slide into that fifth spot. And so far it's been Shepard, and I've, I think she's ranked 200th right now in golf stat. So they need more out of her to to be able to repeat. So that's, that's a team that they're going to have a lot of pressure because they're the reigning national champions, but I mean, Dan Brooks has, has done this time and again. I, I don't think he's too concerned about uh, whether they're the favorites or not going in. So, But Duke's definitely a team that needs to make some sort of statement going into the winter. You know, Otherwise, uh, you might have some players kind of questioning uh, whether they really have what it takes. Going to be fun. Year number five of the Eastlake Cup all gets going Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Our coverage on Golf Channel. Hope you can join us. And that's going to put a wrap on episode one. Brentley enjoyed it as always. We'll be back in a couple weeks' time. We'll sort of put the bow on the package of the entire fall season, sort of give, maybe give out some grades, see where people performed well in other schools that have work to do. But uh, always a pleasure. We'll do it again soon. Looking forward to it.
Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.